You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you along. On today's show, I will give you my SEC quarterback ratings heading into week one, why this quarterback group in the SEC may be one of the strongest overall with some underrated names. We'll get to that in a sec. We'll also start our SEC West week-long preview today. We will head out to Starkville. And we'll talk with our guy Taylor Jones, host of Locked on Mississippi State. Find out what to expect in year one of Mike Leach. And we will also preview the Ole Miss Rebels with Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger. Will the lane train derail some teams' seasons this year? Do not put anything past Lane Kiffin. Ole Miss could surprise some folks this year. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as it comes out five days a week. That's right. We're not messing around. You get this five days a week. Let's do it real quick. Sit on some of the biggest news around the conference and go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. All right, before we get to the uh, quarterback rankings heading into week one, I'll give you just a couple tidbits from around the conference. Mark Stoops said earlier today he still has no word on Auburn quarterback transfer Joey Gatewood's status for this week. Man, it feels like we've been waiting forever at Kentucky to get word on Joey Gatewood. Still no word, but trending in the right direction. We didn't even mention it, but the end of last week, going into the weekend, Tennessee finally got approval from the conference on the waiver for Cade Mays. Jeremy Pruitt expects it to be uh, finally approved, and he said, uh, quote, today, I'm sure that they will. It just makes too much sense not to. We've planned all along for Cade to be able to play. So good news for Tennessee, trending in the right direction there. Texas A&M linebacker Anthony Hines, he announced over the weekend that he would be opting out of playing this season. Tweeted out on Monday, said, quote, I lost someone very close to me and my family to COVID three weeks ago. Said I made the decision to opt out of this season due to the concern to me and my family's safety. So, little another loss for a Texas A&M as far as players opting out. On the Florida front, Dan Mullen said today no players have opted out of the season for him, and he said that the Mississippi State Ole Miss game is uh, one of the great rivalries of sports. He said I have five great memories and four terrible memories in that one. He is five and four against the Rebels, and he'll now be taking on the Rebs this weekend as the Florida head coach. Uh, Alabama, Nick Saban announced the only player out for Alabama this week as of now is cornerback Ronald Williams, who broke his arm in practice. So there you have it. That's the latest news from around the conference. All right, let's do it. I wanted to get into my SEC quarterback rankings going into week one. The more and more I thought about this as teams were starting to name starters, and there's a few that have yet to officially name a starter, but we started to see a lot of the depth charts come out today. Alabama released theirs, LSU, AM, Kentucky, so on and so forth. But I'll just run through my 14 guys, including the guys we expect to be named starters. Number 14, I start with Vanderbilt quarterback Ken Seals, three-star quarterback out of, out of Texas. True freshman, had a great offseason for them. Could be very productive. Vandy had four different guys throw passes for them last year, so it might be nice to maybe commit to one guy to be the quarterback all year long. But he is certainly going to have his growing pains. So at 14, I've got Ken Seals at Vanderbilt. Number 13, we assume Sean Robinson is going to be the starter at Mizzou. He was a transfer from TCU. Sat out last year. He is set up to be bludgeoned this week against a hungry Alabama defense. We don't know yet. He could be 
one of the COVID guys who won't be available for this weekend. We'll wait to see what Coach Drinkwitz says. But if he is, then they may turn to the redshirt freshman Connor Basilak, who could take over. But Sean Robinson expected to be the Mizzou guy. Number 12, I'm putting Felipe Franks at Arkansas. I know a lot of people may be higher on him. His transfer from Florida coming off of that injury. Has a nice quarterback-friendly coordinator, Kendall Bryles, now running that offense. But I just wonder how many weapons he has around him now at Arkansas. He was loaded with talent at Florida. Feels like Georgia's defense has reloaded and are going to be a tough, tough battle for him this week. So I got a Felipe Franks at number 12. Number 11, I've got South Carolina quarterback Colin Hill. He beat out Berlinski in a little bit of surprise last week. Mike Bobo had familiarity with him at Colorado State. Thinks he can run his system better. But they're playing host to Tennessee. We're going to find out how much better that Vol defense is with Colin Hill throwing a ton of passes this week. Number 10, I'm putting Terry Wilson at Kentucky. Got hurt last year. Kentucky had really bad play at quarterback until they finally settled on Lynn Bowden running the offense. Uh, Terry is a senior. He's seasoned. He's versatile. But I still question, can he make all those throws with his arm? A big test this week in a solid defense in Auburn on the road in the early game. So that's why I have Terry Wilson ranked this low, just because it's a tough game this week. Number nine, I'm putting Ole Miss quarterback John Rice Plumley. Stats were very mixed last season. Not a ton of touchdown passes, but that running ability, man, makes him so dangerous. So I'm running all over LSU last year. Now with Lane Kiffin running the offense, Plumlee's going to put up a ton of stats every week. It just might not be enough to win to win games. And he has a tough test this weekend in Florida. So I've got Plumlee at number nine. Number eight, Tennessee quarterback Jared Garantano. Had to find new targets in the passing game. Juwan Jennings, Marquez Calloway are gone. But this is his offense, his team. He's a senior. He has to be the leader and make smart decisions. I will expect Will Muschamp to send the house at him this week and make him make plays for the Volunteers. And I think he will. Garantano at number eight. Number seven, I'm going with Georgia quarterback Dewan Mathis. I know we're still waiting to find out on JT Daniels whether he's been, you know, a lot of questions there on his health. Is he being cleared? I think Dewan Mathis comes out and surprises against Arkansas at Fayetteville. It was a four-star quarterback two years ago. Todd Monkey calling the plays. Now, I think Dewan is really good this week and turns some heads. Number six, Mississippi State quarterback K.J. Costello. A lot of people are very high on him. He was a team, ca- team captain at Stanford, played just five games last year with a concussion, injury to his thumb. Everyone is expecting immediate success with Mike Leach calling the plays. I think it's more so on the side. Their defense won't be great. We'll give up a ton of points, so I think Costello is due for a lot of garbage time yards. And I think his interception total is going to be very high this season. He'll get a bunch of garbage yards in the second half this week against LSU. Probably finish with 300 yards passing. Number five, I'm putting LSU quarterback Miles Brennan. Everyone is going to be making those Joe Burrow comparisons and saying, oh, he's not Joe Burrow. It's not really fair. He's a guy who waited his turn, learned at Steve Ensminger offense the last few years. You could argue... Not getting as many spring practices hurt him a little bit, but with the weapons he has around him, I think Brennan looks good this week against Mississippi State defense at home. Number four, Alabama quarterback Mac Jones. Look, his numbers were pretty solid in that small sample size down the stretch of last season. 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. Those two pick sixes killed him in the Iron Bowl. But I think Steve Sarkeesian has cleaned up those mistakes this offseason. Mac Jones is set up for a great season with talent all around him. I just think his stats won't wow this week as they'll probably run the ball for like 200 yards with Najee Harris. Jones will probably have something like 200-something yards, two or three touchdowns. It'll be good stats. It just won't be among the leaders, I think, in the SEC in week one. Number three, I got AM quarterback Kellen Mond, statistically one of the best quarterbacks in the history of AM. 
and yet he just lost his number one target in Jamon Osmond last week. Cameron Buckley went down with a knee injury for the year. I think Jimbo will be smarter to lean on Spiller in that run game, be more balanced this year. But Mond is talented enough to be one of the leading passers in the SEC again this year. I think he will have a field day this week against Vandy working in his new targets. Number two, I got Auburn quarterback Bo Nix. Set Auburn records last year for yards and touchdowns. Earned SEC Freshman of the Year honors. I really think he's going to build off of that success. Continue to get better. He's got his three leading receivers back in Williams, Schwartz, and Stove. I think he'll be very successful this week against a rebuilding Kentucky defense. And then number one, Quarterback from Florida, Kyle Trask, led the Gators to an 8-2 record last year, an Orange Bowl win, threw for almost 3,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, offensive line, four starters back, Dan Mullen calling his plays. He is going to have a monster season, and I think Kyle Trask lights up that Ole Miss defense in week one. Kyle Trask, my number one. So there you have it, ranking the top quarterbacks in the SEC going into week one. I'm high on Trask, Knicks, Mond, Jones, Brennan, and I'm telling you, Dewan Mathis, I would not be surprised if we come back on Monday and say Dewan Mathis was SEC Player of the Week. I know, it's a bold take, but I'm willing to take it. All right, we need to uh, step aside because coming up next, we are going to talk all things Mississippi State with Taylor Jones, and also a little bit later, we will talk all things Ole Miss with Nick Suss. Our SEC West week-long preview starts next. A quick minute here for our friends at Built Bar. They are the best tasting protein bar ever. I know a lot of those protein bars out there you get at health stores. They look good, and once you open them, they have that gross, chalky taste, and you end up taking a couple bites and throwing them away. That is not the case with Built Bar. They have got 18 amazing flavors, including six new ones. My favorite, the cookies and cream. It is so good, you don't even realize what you're eating is actually good for you. You can grab one after a workout, or look, if you're just looking to lose or maintain your weight, try to get away from some of those fast foods. This could be a great option for you if you're looking to go down that path. Built Bars are low in calories, low in sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And just head to BuiltBar.com. You want to use the promo code LOCKEDON. You will get $10 off your next order, but you have to use the promo code LOCKEDON. You get $10 off and you'll be on your way to eating better, feeling better as you get ready for this SEC football season at BuiltBar.com. Locked on SEC rolling on here on game week. It is officially game week and previewed the SEC East all last week. This week we previewed the SEC West gearing up for the opening slate of games, and today we get things kicked off, started with one of the teams with a new head coach, Mike Leach at Mississippi State, taking over the Bulldogs and joining us now to preview Mississippi State is Taylor Jones, host of Locked On Mississippi State. Taylor, what's going on, man? Hey, Chris, doing well. It uh, seems like it's been a while since we've seen any football, and I'm just glad that it's finally here <laughs> well let's start there Ben, because i know a lot of teams have been having their press conferences today and releasing depth charts nothing officially official yet with mississippi state but uh what are they taking so long to name a starter a quarterback i, I guess we all assume it's going to be kj costello right yeah that's the assumption too and even coach leach has said i assume it's going to be kj costello uh, not really sure you know why we haven't you know heard that officially yet he said that you know he even said in his press conference today that I assume KJ will be a starter. He's gotten a majority of the reps with 
uh, the number one uh, offense. I'm guessing he's just wanting to see just how well Will Rogers fits in to this system, and that's a guy that uh, I've even said on my show a couple times that no matter who QB1 is, even though I'm assuming it will be K.J. Costello, I feel comfortable with either one of those quarterbacks. How ready are they for week one? I know Leach has said, you know, it takes some time to install the air raid offense. You didn't have the full, you know, benefit of a, a full off season, but how ready are they for this week one test on the road at LSU? It's uh, going to be interesting. I know last week Coach Leach was, you know, talking about not only do you have to install a new offense and you have to get to working with brand new players, you have to work with a brand new defensive coordinator that you're not used to, but LSU has had so many opt-outs, and they also have two new coordinators, too, that it's really hard to get film. But the best thing you can do is, you know, watch what Coach Pelini did at LSU and uh, watch a little bit of what LSU did on offense, too, and just hope that translates into great day offensively. Uh, I feel like the players are probably more prepared for LSU than the coaches are because there was a time stretch there where the coaches – couldn't be with the players they would go work out and they would work a couple hours a week just with each other and the one thing that uh, stood out to me about learning this offense was KJ Costello believe it or not he said that he and Will Rogers both while they were trying to figure out the offense they got all the offense together and worked on things together so they worked very hard they studied uh, even when the coaches couldn't hang out with them a lot during the summer so that's you know going to be interesting to see how the players respond to going up against LSU, knowing that they've had a lot of opt-outs and uh, basically a majority of the team that they had last year is gone. So it's going to be interesting to see how well they match up. Yeah, I think I watched half of LSU's championship team in the NFL this past weekend. Uh, Talking with Taylor Jones, host of Locked on Mississippi State. All right, he ran for 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns last year. How good could Kylan Hill be at running back this senior season? I'm really excited to watch him play. I think we're going to see just how dynamic he is. Of course, you know, you talked about his stats there and him being able to run the ball very well, can get more uh, touchdowns in different ways. But he's going to be able to catch the ball as well. Now they're not going to leave any receiver, running back, tight end, anybody on there that can catch the ball unturned. I think he's going to be really good. I think a lot of uh, SEC fans are going to see just how good he can be when he can catch the ball as well, really see just how great of a – uh, two-timing player Kylan Hill can be. I'm looking forward to watching him against LSU and the rest of the SEC. We know what the de- the defense obviously took a little bit of a step back last year. Look, when you lose all those guys that they did two years ago in the, in the first round of the NFL draft, some studs that they lost. What is the biggest concern with this Bulldogs defense this this season? Just how well they can go against uh, everyone else. That was you know another thing that was brought up last week is you're trying to install a brand new offense and you're trying to, you know, work some guys in, but you got to, you can't forget about the defense too. They're trying to go against the air raid system that they've tried to get more and more reps with run heavy offenses. Like we'll see against LSU and we'll see against Bama and Georgia a little later on in the years too. Uh, the two big guys I'm looking forward to seeing stepping up and having a big year. And I think if they have big years, that's going to radiate to everyone else. That's going to be linebacker Errol Thompson. He's coming back at a fantastic year last year. A lot of good things we're hearing about uh, him coming out of camp. And also on the defensive line, Kobe Jones as well. Not only is he good at what he does, but he uh, has a lot to say about everyone else on the defense as well. So I think if those two players have great have great seasons, then you're starting to uh, see it all the way around. I think this is a tough test for all the first-year coaches in the SEC. You know, Eli Drinkowitz at Missouri, obviously, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss as well. But uh, what are the expectations for Mike Leach in a year one that is 
you know, an SEC full 10-game schedule. Uh, what's a realistic expectation schedule-wise or, or record-wise, do you think? I can see them going uh, possibly 5-5, five and five, maybe 6-4. and four. They don't have the hardest schedule out there by any means, looking at uh, what a couple other first-year head coaches and Sam Pittman and Elijah Drinkwitz have to deal with with Missouri and uh, Arkansas, respectively. But they still have to play Alabama. They still have to play LSU. Uh, they get Auburn at home, and they still have to go to uh, the University of Georgia to take on those Bulldogs. So I think those are going to be tough tests. But, you know, the SEC, they're not used to having to deal with Coach Leach's style of air raid offense. So I would say possibly five and five, six and four with uh, maybe an upset or two here or there just because, you know, it takes a little bit to really prepare for what Coach Leach does on offense. All right, if I told you on Monday somebody from Mississippi State was named SEC Player of the Week, either on offense or defense, who is the most likely candidate in your mind? I'm looking at Osiris Mitchell at wide receiver. Osiris uh, did very well last year. Uh, they've talked about him, and his uh, his workloads can be uh, lifted a lot going into this year because he's going to be uh, thrown to a lot more. And I think that K.J. Costello is going to uh, take advantage of his lead receiver against LSU this week. I see him having a pretty good game, maybe a couple of touchdown catches. I've seen some people even go as far, Taylor, to say that K.J. Costello – could lead the conference in passing. Uh, I don't think that's a crazy prediction. One, because we know Mike Leach loves to th- you know throw the ball around. But if this defense doesn't live up to par, you know I think it's possible Costello's throwing in a lot of I don't want to call it garbage time, but you know what it is. Like it, it could be. I could certainly see a scenario where the end of the year we look back and Costello led the SEC in passing yardage. Yeah, that's a very fair assumption too. Uh, coming into the uh, division that he's in, too, you've got. A couple really good quarterbacks, Kellen Mond coming back for Texas A&M, Bo Nick starting as a sophomore at Auburn. But there's a lot of question marks everywhere else, too. I know Georgia's quarterback situation has gotten a lot easier with Jamie Newman declaring himself uh, going to the NFL and opting out during uh, this COVID-19 situation. But there's so many questions at quarterback this year. So K.J. Costello, you know, getting into that 3,000-yard plateau uh, doesn't seem uh, too far-fetched out there. I can see him. Uh, getting a lot of plays in uh, and really working those receivers in their routes to where he's you know easily throwing 275, 300 yards a game. That's a very real possibility, and I'm very excited to see that in the SEC. Taylor Jones, host of Locked On Mississippi State. Taylor, let our listeners know what you got over on the podcast this week. Uh, we're previewing uh, Mississippi State LSU. Uh, we're still a relatively new podcast, so we're uh, you know, breaking down what Coach Leach said today during his press conference. That's going to be coming up on tomorrow's episode. Going to try to get someone that covers LSU to kind of get their side of things, too, because I'm a big fan of if you want wall-to-wall coverage, you've got to have it from both ways. So I'm interested to hear what uh, Coach Orgeron and the LSU Tigers are getting ready for this week. And then, of course, we'll go over depth charts and kind of some key things to look for as the week goes on. And it's finally SEC game week, and I'm looking forward to doing that. And Uh, We hope that you will join us on Locked On Mississippi State for all of your Mississippi State LSU coverage. Absolutely. I think I just shed a tear when you said uh, it's SEC game week. It it still doesn't seem real yet. It hasn't sunk it in. Taylor Jones, Locked On Mississippi State. Thanks so much for the time, man. Hey, thank you. Looking forward to it. All right, coming up, Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger covers the Ole Miss Rebels. We'll talk all about Lane Kiffin and year one. Locked on SEC rolling along here, and 
It is officially SEC game week. We just previewed the Mississippi State Bulldogs with Taylor Jones of Locked on Mississippi State. Now we're about to jump in and preview the Ole Miss Rebels with our buddy Nick Suss from the Clarion Ledger. But look, as game week goes on, things get finalized, things get announced, and in the time of just wrapping up with Taylor, we, we assumed the news was going to come out, but Mike Leach officially saying, I expect K.J. Costello to start. So I guess that's kind of an announcement. Nick Suss, is that an official announcement? I mean, it's the closest to official we're going to get, uh, I'm thinking. <laughs> I, I feel like... Uh, Mike Leach doesn't speak simply, and as somebody else who doesn't speak simply, uh, that's as close to a non-hedged bet as I've heard him say. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll assume that's going to be the guys they go into uh, LSU this weekend. Ole Miss, they got a challenge ahead of them coming this weekend yeah. with the uh, Florida Gators. I know you just uh, heard Lane Kiffin talk a little while ago. Any takeaways from what the Lane train had to say? Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss put out a depth chart today. Kiffin talked for about 15 minutes today, and... The only truly insightful piece of wisdom that we didn't know coming into today that we now know is Ole Miss is two weeks clean when it comes to COVID tests. Kiffin saying not a single positive test, not a single player in isolation heading into this last week of practice before Florida. So the one extremely positive thing you can say is this might be as close to a full roster as any team in the SEC will get to sport. Obviously, there are a few players who are hurt because this is still football and injuries happen. But when it comes to COVID, Ole Miss should be in the clear, barring any last-minute positives. So not sure how good this roster is, but almost the entire roster will be at Kiffin's fingertips. I feel like there's such a wild card, right? I mean, we saw yeah. we saw John Rice Plumley down the stretch of last season, and you know when I went back and looked at the stats this morning, I'm like, well, they weren't great, but his running ability just makes him such a such a piece that man, like you have to respect it. And Lane Kiffin's a he's a great play caller, and so I really feel like this is going to be such a a crapshoot of a season for them. Like I feel like, don't you get the vibe they're going to beat somebody they're not supposed to? I, I can see that vibe. I will caution you the same way I've cautioned every single other person who does not live in Mississippi. Don't be surprised if John Rice Plumley is not Ole Miss's starting quarterback. Matt Corral very well may win that job. I kind of get the impression that's the more likely scenario. But as of today, Kiffin said, haven't decided on a starter. Don't be surprised if both play. Might still be in the boat that Ole Miss was last year for the last six games of the season where Plumley starts and Corral comes in every other drive, or Corral starts, Plumley comes in every other drive. Maybe they're on the field together. Maybe Plumley is used in more of a jackknife, Taysom Hill type situation. There's going to be a lot of variability at quarterback, which is one of the things that makes this Ole Miss team so exciting, but or intriguing rather. But it's also what you said about Kiffin being an interesting play caller. He doesn't have a type. If you play him against Mike Leach at Mississippi State, for example. Mike Leach has been running a variation on the same offense since the 80s. He loves his air raid. He has perfected his air raid. He knows how to run the air raid. Think about the consistency of Kiffin's offenses when he was at USC running a pro style with Matt Leiner at quarterback and then the thunder and lightning with Reggie Bush and Lendale White and that very traditional offense. He goes to Alabama and one year Amari Cooper wins receiver of the year by getting 120 catches. The next year, Derrick Henry runs the ball 400 times. The year after that, Jalen Hurts is a dual-threat quarterback who wins SEC Offensive Player of the Year. 
You go to Florida Atlantic, his first year as a head coach there. Devin Singletary, I believe, led the nation in rushing touchdowns. Last year, they had a tight end win the Mackey Award for National Tight End of the Year. There's no rhyme or reason to what Kiffin does other than he finds a way to enable his best players to succeed. Whether it's running back Jerry on Ely or receiver Elijah Moore, he's going to give his players some chance to play. That said, it does feel like he has utilized the tight end more often than not, you know, even at Alabama with O.J. Howard and those guys. Yeah. And then, like you said, the guy at FAU. I know there's some unprovenness there with a couple of, you know, transfers coming in. Is Kenny Yaboa the, the guy to maybe keep an eye on at the tight end spot? Yeah, Kenny Yaboa is the, the presumed starter. He's listed at number one on the depth chart. The number two guy is Chase Rogers, I believe. He uh, He's a transfer from UL who sat out last year and is uh, sitting in on the roster looking like Kenny Powers if you look up his picture. So they're <laughs> going to have those guys be active, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them go three or four deep every once in a while at tight end just to kind of keep people off guard. But, yeah, Yabo is a preseason finalist for the – or a preseason whatever you call it. He's on the watch list for the <laughs> Mackey Award. He's going to be the front runner in this tight end position, and that might be helpful because other than Elijah Moore at slot receiver – Ole Miss doesn't have very much certainty at pass catching because Moore caught 65 passes last year. Every other starting or backup receiver from last year is returning, and they don't combine to have 65 catches from last year. They don't combine to have Moore's 850 yards from last year. They don't combine to have Moore's six touchdowns from last year. We can tell you that Jonathan Mingo and Braylon Sanders and and Ontario Drummond and Miles Battle and Demarcus Gregory and all of these guys are back. Dennis Jackson, who the number two and three and four guys are going to be, hard to say. So watch out for Jerry Ely to catch some passes out of the backfield and for these guys like Yaboa and Rogers to catch some passes at tight end. Yeah, that is crazy to see that Elijah Moore 67 catches last year over 800 yards and then nobody else even in the vicinity of either of those numbers. They were really a uh, a one-horse machine. What about on defense? What, what do they look like on defense? Who are some of the guys to keep an eye on there? So I don't want to speak hyperbolically, but the strength of this Ole Miss defense is going to be its linebacking core, and it potentially has an argument for being in that top three, top two linebacking cores in the SEC when you have a senior in Lakia Henry who had almost 100 tackles last year. He was the number one JUCO linebacker in the class of 2020, came in and really starred last year. You have Momo Sonogo, who missed last year with an injury but had over 100 tackles in 2020. 18, and he's kind of coming in as one of those Mike backers. And you also have Jaquez Jones, who second on the team in sacks or third on the team in sacks last year, a very good middle linebacker who can also function as an edge rusher. You throw in Sam Williams, who led the team in sacks last year, who's playing that buck outside linebacker position, and Tavius Robinson, this massive, massive hulking player who they got as a transfer from Canada, of all places, who uh, got his transfer eligibility this year. Those five guys might make up a really, really strong linebacking unit. Beyond that, you're replacing all of your starters on the defensive line, and you're replacing two or three of your starters in a secondary that ranked last in the SEC in pass yardage allowed. So the middle of the defense could be strong. But there are so many question marks, especially since we haven't been able to see practice and watch them play in this uh, defense, not the least of which being that most of the secondary missed the first half of camp with COVID. So they might just be behind training-wise. <laughs> Talking with Nick Suss, Ole Miss beat writer for the Clarion Ledger. Uh, what did you make of 
how this schedule set up for the Rebs. I mean, obviously, the thing that stands out for the first five games are against top 25 opponents. Pretty brutal schedule, but I guess that's going to be however you look at it when you're playing 10 SEC games. Yeah, I, the thing I've said about this schedule too many times is it feels like every game that you'd want to be winnable is in the wrong place. <laughs> like, theoretically, if the Mississippi State game is winnable, you want to play Mississippi State early this year because you're not sure if um, if the Mike Leach offense is going to be fully clicking yet. They play them, of course, the second-to-last game of the season. Then you think about this Kentucky game. Kentucky's a preseason top-25 team. I think Kentucky's really going to surprise a lot of people this year. But playing them early when they're such a veteran team that didn't need the preparation that a lot of these first-year coach teams needed, it's going to be harder for Ole Miss to pull off that upset on the road when you're playing that week two instead of it was week eight or nine, and maybe you were as experienced as they were. You go through it all. You mentioned it at the top, Ole Miss beating somebody they're not supposed to beat. In the three years under Matt Luke, Ole Miss won only one game when they were not the favorite. And that one win was against Mississippi State, the game that Nick Fitzgerald broke his leg. This team needs to win a game it's not supposed to win, not just because, oh, that would look good, but because that's a thing this team has not been able to do, and that is how you get market success, is to win over that. So you look at these games that maybe they're not supposed to win. Sure, Florida, LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M, those feel like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how Ole Miss wins those games. That South Carolina game, especially, and then Mississippi State and Kentucky, those are the toss-ups of the schedule that might be the difference between a 5-5 five and five team that's looking real optimistic heading into the real year one, if you don't count this as a real year for Kiffin, or a 3-7, and 2-8 and eight team that's looking real down heading into a year where you don't know what to expect. Is there any advantage for Kiffin? You know, we mentioned Leach. This is his first year in the conference. Is there any advantage to Leach or to Kiffin coming back to a conference where he's been a head coach, been an assistant coach, and kind of knows at least some of the ins and outs of coaching in the SEC? I think that's an advantage. And I think one of the – I wrote a lot about this when Kiffin got hired in December and January and when he was putting a staff together. If you look through the list of schools – that have beaten Alabama or have unseated Alabama in the last in the Saban era in these last twelve years, almost all of them have done so by doing something that no one else in the SEC does. Whether it was Hugh Freeze here in Oxford doing that extremely wide open RPO based offense before anyone else was doing it, whether it's Gus Malzahn's offense, which was markedly not an SEC offense before he got here whether it's Ed Ogeron bringing in guys like Joe Brady uh, from the NFL to re-engineer a new offense. So Kiffin went out of his way. He brought in almost exclusively offensive coaches that were part of that Art Briles Baylor staff. Jeff Levy was on that staff for a while. Uh, Randy Clements was on that staff for a while. Joe John Finley, GA'd on that staff. They're doing something where Kiffin has this knowledge of the SEC, but he didn't surround his offense with SEC guys. On defense, he went off and got a lot of guys who come from the Jim Harbaugh tree, whether it's DJ Durkin, who's obviously coached with a lot of guys and did coach in the SEC, or Chris Partridge, his co-defense coordinator, who comes directly from Michigan. They're kind of doing things where they have this familiarity with the SEC, but they're not strictly relying on Saban guys or on 
SEC guys. They're trying to think outside the box while working within the constraints of the box. And I think that's an interesting way to go about it. They're not outsiders in the true sense like Leach's staff is, where they are playing a true air raid, let's do something so drastically new. But they're also not leaning into the Georgia style of, hey, let's bring in Kirby Smart, and Kirby's going to bring Scott Cochran and all of these things that kind of make it, we're going to beat Alabama by being Alabama. They're kind of hedging their bet there. And I don't know if that makes them insiders or outsiders, but it's definitely going to be an interesting technique. <laughs> Nick Suss, Clarion Ledger. Before we let you go, Nick, you have done something, well, let's face it, the majority of America has not done. You have attended college football games already this season. What was that like? I keep uh, comparing it to, you, you, you get tricked into thinking something's normal. <laughs> And then you look down and you see two college freshmen do an elaborate handshake and you instinctively go, oh, no, don't touch it. And then you're like, (laughs) you have those weird gulps moments where you're like, that's not supposed to be happening. Why are they doing that? I remember the first time I saw two people high five each other after a first down, I audibly gasped. (laughs) It's surreal. Uh, The first game I went to was the FBS opener this year, uh, Southern Miss versus South Alabama. And I went up into the stands, and I found the most socially distant seat possible. I and saw, I I saw that. I saw the top corner. <laughs> yeah, the section JJ, I think it was, seat 132 or something like that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting, there's not another fan within 40 yards of me, 50 yards of me. And yeah, you can fill in the Southern Miss joke wherever you want to put it. But it is surreal to see that much open space at a college football game. But, I mean, after three or four plays, after five minutes of gameplay, you're going to forget that the stadium's at 25 capacity. Your ears are going to adjust to the noise. The funny thing about noise is it's relative. So if it's dead quiet and everybody's on pins and needles while the ball's in the air and then somebody catches it and it erupts, it's going to feel loud. Maybe it's not going to feel as loud as a game that I went to in Death Valley where Alabama and LSU were 0-0 in the fourth quarter. But it's still going to feel loud, and it's still going to start to feel normal, except for these weird pockets where you realize, I'm wearing a mask, and nobody's allowed to touch each other, (laughs) and all of the food is prepackaged, and there are no on-field performances, and... For some reason, they're allowed to hit each other for three hours, but they're not allowed to shake hands after the game. (laughs) There are some things that you can't escape the weirdness, but sometimes you lean into the weirdness and you say, college football is a weird idea to begin with, so let's roll with it. (laughs) Nick Suss, always a pleasure to catch up with you, man. Uh, We'll have to do this again real soon. ClarionLedger.com to see uh, some of his work covering the Ole Miss Rebels. Thanks for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Anytime, Chris. Thanks a lot, Nick Suss there of the uh, Clarion Ledger and does a great job. Been covering a, a lot of teams around the SEC for a long time. He's uh, started at Georgia, covered LSU, and now he's been in uh, covering the Mississippi schools for the last couple of years. Does a uh, fantastic job. That is just about going to do it for us here on the Locked on SEC podcast. want to remind you to subscribe if you haven't done so. Get us five days a week, the Locked On SEC podcast. We will continue previewing the SEC West as this week rolls along. And some big-name guests going to join us as we roll along this week. We'll talk with Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Sports Magazine. Preview the season with him. And also Jason Campbell, former Auburn quarterback, going to join us 
later on this week. You do not want to miss those. I want to remind you, our buddy Matt Moscona, Locked On LSU, he'll join us later this week. You can catch him over on the Locked On LSU podcast, as well as our buddy Taylor Jones, who joined us earlier with the Locked On Mississippi State podcast. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. SEC Game Week, rolling on.